Welcome back to Think Better Soon. The Positive Podcast. Oh, yeah. We're back for episode six of season two. And uh, JP, you look like you're in familiar territory there. I am. I'm in a hotel in Louisville, Kentucky. And I've I've got a fan favorite, an L8. Yeah. And I, I picked this up this morning at Kroger's. Took a little picture, sent it to my son. He is like me. We love L8. So uh, being in Kentucky, I went I went straight for it, and I got it. Now, you, you are in Kentucky, and I noticed you said Kroger's. I, I think the proper way to say that, the pronunciation, is uh, is Kroger. I went to Kroger. Kroger. I went to Kroger. Kroger. Yeah, you didn't go to Kroger's. You don't go to Walmart's. You know. I, I went to Kroger's. Mine had nest. Kroger's. I, maybe you went to a different, maybe that's a mom and pop that just has a little, uh, kind of a similar name to the conglomerate that is Kroger. Uh, yeah, Kroger. This one was Kroger's. It was Kroger's. <laughs> Research that. Well, I've got a little story about L8. Uh, yeah. When I was a young guy, I would travel. I was I was 16 years old, and there was a job site at Pritchard Elementary that was maybe uh, two minutes from my house. So I would wake up at, I don't know, 6.55, head down to the job site, get there by 7, done at 3.30. Life was pretty good, but my dad, uh, he had a job in Nicholas County in Carlisle, which is where, uh, you know, Metcalf is from. And we went there one day and it was climate controlled. It's 137 degrees outside and it's air conditioned and we're doing demo work. And I've been prone to talk too much. You know, my two nicknames oh, as a child no. were Jabber Jaws. Yeah, my Not Uncle you. Bob called me, Uncle Bob called me Jabber Jaws and uh, Don Burnett Hammer was his nickname. He called me Little Bijou because everything I said sounded French when I was little. But I look at my dad, who doesn't talk a whole lot, and I said, man, I tell you what, I can get used to this. And he says, well, I tell you what, you're coming to Carlisle the rest of the summer. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I went from waking up at 6.55 to getting up at like 4.45. It was awful. It, it totally yeah. messed up my whole summer. It's like a two-hour drive through the, through the sticks and Bath County. But we would stop at this little place, this little corner market at the edge of the earth on the way to Carlisle. And they had the best pork tenderloin sandwich, and they had L8 in their oh. bottles. Oh. I would, I would um, bootleg that stuff back to Grayson. <laughs> and I remember stacking up the bottles outside and they were worth 10 cents a piece, which was, you know, quite a bit. That's and I would look forward to the opportunity to take those recycled bottles back. But I had a little bit of uh, street cred in Grayson because back then L8 wasn't uh, distributed in Eastern Kentucky. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make it past Bath County. <clears throat> so thanks you know, for taking for me out Different while it didn't even make it to it made it to Grayson before it really made it to Ashland. Well, I do have one other story in the lighting business. I went into the factory to redo their lighting about 15 years ago, and we're in there like in the Laverne and Shirley area where the bottles are on the conveyor belt. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the guy that was with me, he gave a nonverbal, which we say a lot with our nonverbals. I think we've talked about that, but uh, yeah. he gave this guy a nod like. And so as these things are flying by, they get filled with the L8. And then a split second later, they get capped. And then they go through the, the process so that they can go, you know, be room temperature and all that. So this guy, you got to be pretty quick. He jumps in there and grabs one. As he grabs one, he hands it to me, JP. And when oh, he hands me the bottle of L8, before it got capped, it's yeah. smoldering, you know. Oh, it's, 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 got, it's got fumes coming off of it because it's so oh, yeah. fresh. And I put it to my lips and all 12 ounces evaporated like that. Like I've never <laughs> in my life. I mean, it just... It was gone. It was so pure. So you should add on your bucket list. Yeah, we should see it. They probably didn't do that now. 
But yeah, I got I got to drink an Elliot before it ever got bottled. So I'm not bragging, I'm but I got that going for me, which is nice. Well, I mean, that's, I can't say I did it. I've not done um, that. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you. And, uh, and yeah. I hope, I don't oh. know how to say that because it's a verb, right? I well, hope, you, you can say it that way. I hope that we have a good uh, session on the noun hope. The noun hope. And we will. We're going to have an excellent on the noun. And All right. I think uh, I think it's going to go gloriously. Well, Beautiful. we're going to we're going to get right down to it. So we'll be right back and talk a little bit about hope. And I'm going to here at Think Better Soon. We have a list of future episodes, and uh, they move around a little bit. And I can tell you, this particular episode, this episode on the importance of hope in your life, is uh, incredibly important to JP. He moved it all the way to the very top of the list. It is. I wanted to bring it in. Wanted to bring it home. I. Why? Why I, is that? Why is? Well, why? Why do you want to talk about hope today? I am, of course. I've always said I'm a very positive person, and I know that. And I have, uh, and I come by it naturally, and and I'm very thankful for that. But I believe hope is something that helps us change our perspective and allows us to think better when we are faced with uncertainties. So I look at it as something, as, as a, as, as kind of just a, a little nugget that we can internalize. And whenever we're going through something, a rough patch or whatever, we can always look forward and say, you know, I believe things are going to get better. And the hope inside of us is what will fuel our emotions. It will fuel our motivations so that we can, we can really grasp a hold of the good thing that's going to happen in the future and experience that joy today, even though we, even though it may not have, have, uh, you know, the fruit, we're not seeing the fruit yet, but we know it's going to happen. Well, beats the alternative. I think, you know, in, as we looked at this episode and talked about the, the concept of hope, one thing that was very apparent to me is all things being equal. You're, you're better off to have hope than not to be, I guess the opposite is to be hopeless. And, you know, one area that JP has challenged me on for the last couple of months, and I got to thinking here this week, it's been a year and a half. That's a long time. But um, I just want to dive right into it, JP. You know, I've hurt, I hurt myself the end of July, uh, beginning did. of August in 2021. Yeah. And uh, I practiced too much golfing when I was uh, in my you know mid-40s, if you will. And... Yeah. I was determined to get it fixed. So, you know, I went and tried to do everything I could, took shots and did different things. And about Labor Day of 21, I uh, had to shut it down. And then by November, after having a, a, a CAT scan, by November, I was under the knife to fix the TFCC ligament and some other things. And so the recovery of that was really challenging. I, I was shocked at how hard it is to have a hand surgery. I know it, it doesn't look like it's much, but there's a lot, a lot of moving parts. So oh, yeah. February came around, March came around. I get out there and try to get back at it. It doesn't seem quite right. So by April, I had to shut it all down again. And I got a chance to go up and talk to Bryson DeChambeau's doctor. And we did another CAT scan post-operation. And he really didn't know exactly what to do. He wanted me to go back to my doctor here in Lexington, who had already been in the wrist. And uh, they did more tests and, and different things and, and more steroid shots and what have you. But the bottom line is it's really painful to play golf. And so... I decided pretty early on in that journey. I mean, the first month or two, I was devastated. But I think as and I was um, devastated. You're my, yeah, you're my golf I, think it, I know it, and that, and and to be honest, it was kind of my one hobby, uh, so yeah. to speak. And 
I put a lot of time, energy, effort, passion. It was, it was a thing for me, for sure, for the last quarter of a century. But I was determined uh, to have faith in uh, whatever God had in store for me. Uh, whatever my life was going to look like without golf would be okay. And so I just made the choice to be hopeful in the fact that there may be other things I can get involved in. But in preparation for this episode, I've decided to pivot. It's taken me a year and a half of going through all this stuff, but I'm going to decide to be hopeful. And JP has really challenged me to change my um, you know, expectations to, to look at maybe, is there something I can do differently? So I'm committed in 2023 to at yes. least playing golf one weekend out of the year, even if it hurts like crazy. I love uh, it. Maybe I'd end up playing one-handed, but just the notion of – Which is of, even uh, fine, just getting out. And, and that's, you know, that, that's the – whatever you can do that, that keeps your mind in a positive lane, you know, you don't let that negativity sit in. It puts you in and, and golf is a passion of yours. So, you know, I know we're, you know, we're talking about this, and, and I – I, it hurts me to think what would happen if, if I couldn't play golf. I mean, I, I don't think I would handle it as well as you're handling it because that is one of my huge passions as well. And, 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 and I would probably fall over and that would probably be the first time people would see me having consecutive bad days. Cause gosh, well, I think I could, I could probably write a book on what I've learned uh, through this year and a half off. Uh, I certainly practiced too much. I, uh, I probably did it too much. I was, uh, I remember reading a book about Pete Rose when I was, you know, several years ago, and it talked about how just obsessive he was with baseball. And one of the reasons he was good is he did it from sun up to sundown. And yeah, the amount of time and effort and energy and passion I poured into golf, I really should have been playing on Sundays on TV because that's, uh, to <laughs> me, that's how much energy and effort I put into it. I never got that good, JP. So you I think I realized once, once we once we step back from it, once you once you remove yourself from it, you realize, oh my goodness, I've been pouring my whole life into this thing, and and uh, and so I think that if I were able, if I were physically able to come back, I would certainly approach it a different way. And and then uh, you know when uh, when J.R. Melvin, who we're going to talk about in a future episode with, yeah. with his relationship with Chris Potter and just you know how important male friendship is, but when when we lost him back in the fall. You know, it made me realize that what I wouldn't give to have one more round of golf uh, with friends, yeah. uh, specifically oh, with with uh, with Jr. And, mm-hmm. and so I do hope to whether it's just three rounds of golf a year or whatever it is, you've given me hope, and I'm not joking. Like I, I mm-hmm. coming into this episode, I, I had not developed hope. I had yeah. I was good. I was good with things. I was fine with things. And I can talk about. Uh, I don't want to talk about this. I didn't want to talk about this. This mm-hmm. is not a topic uh, that I want to talk about. But I'm glad we got it out there, and, and hopefully we can report back sometime later in six or seven months that I pulled off two rounds of golf hitting you know senior shafts and playing the four rounds. <laughs> and, and we all have situations, and, and I'll call them uncertainties, that, that hit us. And some are, are small, some are large, but we, we all are going to be faced with a situation where either we, we lose hope and – and that scares me, you know, people that lose hope that go into a, uh, into a downward spiral of depression and they withdraw from their relationships, from their families. And all of a sudden that ripple effect happens and everybody around them starts to suffer. That just scares me. So it's, it's one of those that if we can remain hopeful and if we can have a true spirit of hope inside of us, then, 
just how much better not will we be, but everybody around us will will then all of a sudden start reaping from the the excitement that we have. And I'd like to give a shout out to all the folks out there back. It's been 14, not quite, but almost 14 years ago, 13 years ago, when Molly got diagnosed with breast cancer when she was pregnant with Lucia at eight weeks uh, in. You know, that was we we were, you know, incredibly hopeful. And mm-hmm. I remember a day or two after I told Molly, I said, one of the stages of this thing is you're going to be mad, you're going to be angry. And she just looked at me nonchalantly in the in the parking lot of the hospital where we're getting an opinion. And she said, I don't have anybody to be mad about. And, you know, God gave me this and whatever it is. It, Which is it, amazing. It, it'll, yeah, it's, it'll be his will be done. And and basically she was just kind of like, we're just going to rock this thing out and see what happens and it'll be fine. But that's a, you better that's believe. Amazing. Well, we were, I was scared to death, you know, uh, yeah. that that the stage two breast cancer, you know, the survival rate was probably 80%, which is good at that age, but it still scared me a lot, but I had hope for sure had hope and clinged to hope that, uh, that, you know, she would be, God would take care of her and then she would be healthy again. And I'm thankful for every day. You know, I try to remember that. I know it's made us a little wild, you know, because you got so much energy from going through that, that journey that we were on so many years ago, but, uh, but I'm thankful to all the folks who prayed for us and, and saw us through those times. And, and I think that, you know, whether you're talking about situations in life, like a, like a hobby, like, like my golf game, that's, yeah. that's a minor thing. Or you mm-hmm. talk about situations where young people go through, uh, you know, we know so many folks who've had to go through cancer battles and things at a young age. Yeah. But I think that if those are, if, if my situation with golf is a one out of 10 and, you know, there's varying ranges. I know that your father, uh, yeah. Cal Bradley, yeah. uh, if I don't, you know, it'd be great if you could share a little bit about his journey because oh, yeah. Yeah. his optimism is is amazing, and uh, just love to hear you talk about. Yeah, his and and, and of just hope. before I get into that, you know, you, we we look at all the situations uh, that could happen at work, that uh, the uncertainties at work. I mean, I've gone through plant shutdowns where I wasn't quite sure where my next paycheck was going to come from. Gone through our own family business turmoil. Um, You've got, you know, I have friends that have marriage issues. Uh, they have difficulties with their children. You know, there's all kinds of uncertainties that, that we all face. And, and and I was fortunate. I got to grow up watching my father, who in 2009 had a tumor that grew around his spine and crushed it to the point that uh, he became paralyzed. <clears throat> and so at 50... Uh, eight years old, he is told that he's got a terminal illness, an incurable cancer, and that he'll never be able to walk again. So he spent the first, uh, that happened on February the 24th of 2009, and he spent the next five months, I think it was, just laying on the flat of his back in a hospital bed because he, he, you know, this, whenever you are used to being upright and walking, and then all of a sudden, you have no control of your lower extremities. You don't know how to, to move around. You don't know <clears throat> you don't know how to to take care of yourself. So there was just such a a a new uh, routine that he had to be taught. And everybody was coming to see my dad, and they were thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know, here Cal Bradley, who has always been a, a happy person, just like me." He's probably laying on the back, on his back, just probably stewing and angry at life. And, and, and they, 
they came, so many people came to see him during that time he was in the hospital to try to lift up his spirits, to really come in and help him. And yeah. everybody that walked in, they looked at me, they would talk to me and they would leave and they were crying and they would say, JP, I swear, I walked in this room to give this guy encouragement and somehow he's the one encouraging me. He's in a better mood than I am. And, and, and all of that came about because dad had hope. You know, he, he understood that there were a lot of uncertainties in how he was going to become mobile. How was he going to get from home to the bathroom to putting his clothes on, going to work? He had no clue how he was going to do just the simplest of things, even going to the bathroom. And then there was the situations of, well, everything that I have built my whole life, my house no longer is compatible for my lifestyle. My cars, I can't get in them. I can't drive. So there's all of those uncertainties. But he, he, he had something inside of him say, but you know what? I have hope because there's a way I'm going to be able to do this. And, and it was a true example of him shifting his expectations. And it wasn't him saying, okay, I've got to figure out how I can stand up and walk again. It was, all righty, well, I still want to do this. And it, I may not be able to do it like I used to, but I'm going to be able to do it a different way. And I'm going to find different avenues to, to get certain things done. And from that moment on in 2009, he did not slow down. He continued working. We got him uh, a, it was called a param paramobile that he was able to take out on the golf course. It would stand him up and he would swing. It was hilarious. I remember, I remember the videos. Yeah. yeah. He hit the ball straighter that way than he ever did when he was upright on his own. And he uh, he continued working at church. So there were just it was just amazing to see him in that situation, not lose hope, not become hopeless, not become depressed. And, and that was even some of the things the doctors were telling us is, you know, we want to make sure your dad doesn't get depressed. And he never did. He was excited. He was he had that same goofy grin every morning. I just I need to pause you for a second. Go ahead. Uh, and just I think that. The one thing that over and over and over and over and over again that radiates from you is how proud you are of him and how yeah. proud you are to be his son and just Basically. how much your disposition, your hopefulness, your optimism, uh, the gleam in your eye. I guess when you've got a dad that uh, for the last 14 years has been up against this battle daily, yeah, taking people on cruises and trips and, yeah. and to New York yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. just, I just know that it, the inspire it's inspiring for me to get to see what his example has meant to you. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think it's important to realize that we all, anybody listening to this podcast right now, we all have the potential to, to, to be that person that can yeah. inspire and can encourage other people. Absolutely. And, and so and Cal Bradley's encouraging see. through this podcast, you know? <laughs> I, I hope he is. And and to see somebody, and, and that's what I did. I, I was just kind of, I would take a step back and I would watch him and I would go, most people would see this as such a hopeless situation and that there would be no positive ending to this. But my dad saw it as a great opportunity. And, and he would always make a joke. You know, he, he would always, you know, he'd be in his wheelchair and he would be eating dinner. We would be out to eat. And the uh, 
the waiter would come up at, at the end, you know, how was your meal? And he would look up and say, oh, my gosh, this meal was wonderful. Somebody's going to have to wheel me out of here. I've eaten so much. You know, he would just add just his own little touch to things. But it was and it was it was infectious. So it, it's mm. something that, that I saw personally and and it, it did it. It it uh, you know, put a lot of well, hope in me. We, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours because Calvin Bradley has been laying down an example for 14 years of yeah. how to live each day to its fullest, even when you're up against it and you've got the toughest circumstances yep. that you could possibly face. Uh, but you mentioned about being infectious. And I, I think t- to close out this, this section on, on, on hopefulness, that's something that, that, that you've done for me in this episode is, is you've infected me with the idea of why not be hopeful that you can figure out some kind of way, even if it's playing, you know, forward tee, hitting only irons because the driver hurts your hand too much. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe there's a chance and it won't be the game you used to play. You know, you won't be practicing. You, you'll be playing weekly, but you'll yeah. still be able to say, yeah, I play golf. I just only play once or twice a year, but I get to play. And yes. so it's nice to, it's nice to have hope that maybe you get that back. And um, I just think, for me, this episode is really in honor of your father, and I think that your father's example of hope and optimism and positivity has yeah. infected your life for sure, and I think it has. it's infected my life through you. And we hope yeah. that, that anyone listening to this episode today uh, can think about Cal Bradley and yeah. uh, realize that in Molly Newland, even Molly Newland. I mean, you know, you look. There are so many uncertainties that we are going to be faced with at some point in time in our life. If if you haven't been hit with an uncertainty, I am certain you will at some point. And to prepare ourselves to say, you know, when those uncertainties come, I'm going to shift my expectations. And I'm going to anticipate that there is still a, a positive ending to my story. And, I, and I'm going to motivate myself to move forward to reach that, that uh, positive ending. I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about hope. And have an episode on hope. When JP first mentioned hope, I said, I'm more of a faith guy. You know, my first CD that I had was George Michael Faith. And, you know, I said, <laughs> you know, he says, you, you got to, got to have faith, the faith, the faith. You know, oh, that's you have hope. Yeah, I could, I could sing faith. it. You got the, I got the dance moves too, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, the other thing I, I said you. to JP, I said something like, people say, you hear all the time, don't get your hopes up. But you never mm-hmm. hear people say, don't get your faith up. Like nobody ever say, don't get your faith up. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I see what JP's talking about. You know, hope is a choice and, uh, and it's a great place to be uh, versus the alternative. And you got to start somewhere and it's got to be inside of you. And so it, it's a, it is the seed that sprouts all kind of goodness down the road. Well, using it as a verb, I hope that everyone has enjoyed using it as a noun, this topic of hope. (laughs) I like that. It's like an English lesson. And it's been wonderful. And we're going to be right back with with, uh, a hopeful story that JP is going to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, JP, he has a Rolodex of hope. And uh, he reached it. You you looked at it and you said, I want to pull out an example to share on this episode. And uh, who inspired you this week, JP? Uh, Tyler Perry. I love Tyler Perry movies. He is an entertainer, and one of his uh, one of his ideas is in all of his movie to, you know, of course he wants it funny, but also provide some type of positive reinforcement. So you you always see some sort of backstory of of uh, positivity, and 
And one of the reasons that I want to talk to him, talk about him today, is because of his, his when he was growing up, uh, before he was 10 years old, he was physically abused by his father, and he was sexually abused by four different people, like three uncles and then like one teacher even. So, you know, and this is before he's 10 years old. So generally that is going to have a catastrophic impact on a 10-year-old's future. I would think but, so. But Tyler Perry remained positive, and he always had a, a hope and a belief that he was going to be able to do something great in his life. And so even though the circumstances tried to to direct him away from what was uh, kind of his, I think, his calling and his destination, he didn't let those things destroy him. He, he let that hope burn inside of him and motivate him so that whenever he did, uh, he wrote his first play that everybody kept turning down, and it took several years before it actually caught on. But whenever it finally caught on, I mean, all of a sudden he just became a huge hit and, and very successful. So he is, is somebody that I think we can all learn from. Well, I, I agree. And his movies are funny and, and he's got a great disposition. And I, while we're on this topic, if it's okay, I had one pop in my mind I'd like to share. Yeah. Um, we, we saw in January, uh, this episode being February, Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Yes. Um, you know, every, most folks listening to this podcast know his story, but if they don't, I think it's fascinating to talk about. I saw a picture that was trending after the national championship game where it showed him standing on the football field in 2017 with Kirby Smart. And it said, I've, ex I've excited to announce that I've accepted a preferred walk-on position at the University of Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was there for a year, and they didn't know what to do with him, just stuck him at the end of the bench and said, son, you'll never see daylight. Yeah. And uh, he realized he had work to do. So he took off for two years of junior college, got a lot of reps, uh, you know, got experience. He got into mm -hmm. the practice of doing it. He wasn't going to be able to really get the practice and the experience of Georgia. So he went elsewhere and got his uh, work in, if you will. And then he came back and he was still way deep on the depth chart. He yeah. had several quarterbacks back. And uh, this guy had to bomb and transfer. This guy had to get hurt. This guy had to go MIA. But eventually they gave the guy the football. And uh, I saw the offensive coordinator back several months ago or what have you say that, we, you know, we tried to run the guy off. We tried to bury him. <laughs> but, but I guess the reason I bring up Stetson Bennett, the fourth, who is a two-time national championship quarterback in the Georgia Bulldogs, is he must have had some hope. He did. He did. He had an some type of anticipation for the future that he was going to do something special, and he didn't let anybody discourage him. I've also got Unbelievable. a Winston. Yeah, I've got a Winston Churchill quote that I think we can. All right, we can well, bring it to us. Yeah, bring that. Close Let's this out. Do it. Let's it see. Says, it. All all the great things are simple. And many can be expressed in a single word. In one of those words, hope. Hmm. It's very simple. And it, you're it, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's we, not we, a, we've done a whole episode on it. And we could, you could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but the whole time I've been sitting there thinking about it, it's, it's really a choice. We've talked about that. Uh, you talked about it in previous episodes that we can choose a path to be super successful or we can choose yeah. to be dormant and we, and we're going to be successful at being dormant and lazy. And so I think for me, you know, the, the, what I'm left with from this episode personally, and I hope everyone else out there listening to as well is 
you have a choice to be hopeful or not. And, yeah. uh, you know, what, what do you have to lose by being hopeful, JP? Yeah. And I think my, my final statement would be, uh, allow hope to change your perspective and allow you to think better when you're faced with an uncertainty. Well, and, and there are certainly uncertain times. Uh, yes. It has been great to catch up with you on this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I am looking forward to the future episodes. So until then, we're going to sign off. You got anything else to add, JP? No, happy to be here. Right, oh, yeah, you look good. Well, we'll see you next week, and thanks for tuning in. Yeah. This episode is dedicated to Cal Bradley, who has been such a great example of hope to JP and countless others.